I'm going to start with a question. Um, who in your household does the shopping? Okay, Brian, Linda, Stephanie. Okay. Huh? Why is that? Why, why do you do the shopping, Brian? Okay. Okay. What do, what do you do it, Linda? I see. That's another reason I do it. So I have to. Okay. It works both ways. Well, Forrest does most of the shopping in our house. Uh, he runs to the store, you know, gets something that we missing ingredient to some recipe that we have or milk because we have cereal but no milk. But occasionally on my day off, we go grocery shopping. I actually shop for a list of groceries together. Uh, we kind of like each other. So uh, any opportunity that we have to be together is good. And uh, so we go shopping together occasionally. And we've discovered something, though, and that is that you should never go shopping when you're hungry. Have you, have you noticed that? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We've discovered that if you go shopping when you're hungry, all kinds of unplanned items end up in the shopping cart, right? Uh, things that you're able to resist when you're in the right state of mind, <laughs> come and end up in the cart when you're in a state of hunger. And items that we have both agreed are not healthy for us somehow make their way into the cart. And it's not just one of us that does it. If I turn my back, you know, a cherry pie, uh, donuts end up in the cart. If he turns his back, you know, it's ice cream sandwiches. But when you're hungry, everything looks good, right? Your resistance is down. You find yourself reaching for candy bars or, you know, chili Fritos or broaster chicken, anything you might have the slightest chance of being able to consume in the car on the way home gets into the cart. Unmet needs sometimes drive our choices and cause us to act in ways that are counter uh, to our best interest. We're in the second week of a message series called Searching for Something. And in this series, we're looking at the deep needs in our life that often steer or direct our choices. And when these needs aren't met, we can settle for substitutes that cause us to miss the good and abundant life that Jesus came to provide for us through his death on the cross. And in this series, we're looking at six deep needs that Jesus meets. And if we'll look to him to meet these needs, we'll experience more of the life that Jesus came to give us. And today we're talking about the need to be loved. We all need to be loved. Isn't that, isn't that so? That love is the fuel of life. And there are two kinds of love that are essential to every person. Love from God and love from other people. This is how God has wired us. He's designed the world so that we can have these needs met uh, through a relationship with Jesus Christ and through relationships with others. And in a perfect world, we would all feel loved 
and uh, live like well-loved people. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a fallen world. And because of that, we don't always get this right. We have two major issues. The first glitch is that we have a tendency to run from God, to want to go our own way. The second glitch is we are loved by imperfect people. And imperfect people don't always love well. And we love people imperfectly. Uh, Some of you may have come from a home where love was, uh, there was a shortage of love. You may have had um, parents, one or more parents, who just didn't have the capacity to love well. You may have grown up feeling like you weren't loved or the, you know, loving actions only came your way when you earned them. Others may have experienced some kind of abuse growing up or, or in a marriage. There are all these ways that we get hurt and miss out on the loving relationship that God intends for us. And every hurt has the potential to impact the way that we relate to others and to God. And this topic of love is is such a big topic, you know, it's hard to know where to start with that. So what I did is um, I decided to take a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And this prayer is my prayer for you on this World Communion Sunday, my prayer for for myself as well. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, uh, it's found in chapter 3 of the letter to the Ephesians. It's going to be on the screen as well. And in this letter, um, Paul has been talking to the church about his commission. He's been called to take the gospel to the nations. And because he did that and uh, was so fervent about it, he ended up in prison, and it's believed that he was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. And um, so he's telling them not to be saddened by his suffering for them. And in the midst of that, he says this prayer. He adds this prayer uh, that he prays for them. And when you look at this prayer, you can't help but wonder if he's requesting things of them, uh, of God for them, that he himself has learned about God's love. And so we're going to look at that prayer. It's in Ephesians three sixteen through 19. And he says, I pray that from his glorious, his being God, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So he's asking that God will give them that inner strength that they need. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. I like the NIV. It says you'll be rooted and grounded in love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So Paul points them to the goal of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. He ends his prayer with the words, then you will be made complete. Everything in his prayer is building towards this end goal. 
There's this progression in his prayer. He goes before God. Why? So that Christ may dwell in their hearts. Why? So that they may be rooted and grounded in love. And why is that? So that they can know the width, the length, the height, and the depths of Christ's love. And why is that? So that in the end, they would be mature, complete, filled with the fullness of Christ. So in this prayer, Paul gives us both the goal of life and the problem with reaching the goal. The goal is maturity, to be complete. Um, The problem is we're unfinished people. Does that ring true to anybody? We're a work in progress, right? We're not yet complete. And a big part of life is moving from an unfinished state to a finished state. Not a perfect person, but a grown-up person. And as we look at the things that Paul is asking God for on behalf of these people, you get the idea that maturity in Christ comes with and is connected to the ability to trust God's love and to be grounded in that love in the way that directs the course of your life. Not letting other things direct the course of your life, but to be so life, but to be so grounded in God's love that that steers your life. So, in this message uh, this morning, we're going to look at five ways that God's love meets the need to be loved. And as we do that, my prayer is that you'll discover and be reminded how marvelous God's love really is. And the focus of today's message is this: that whatever the need in your life is. God's love is wide enough, deep enough, high enough, and enduring enough to meet it. Maturity in Christ is getting to that place where you trust God's love completely. And and I want to help you, uh, before we come to the meal this morning, to be more aware of the love that Christ has shown to us. So five ways in your message notes there that Jesus' love meets our need to be loved. The first is that he, his love heals wounded hearts. And we live in a broken world. Some of you have suffered great losses. You know, a spouse dies, a child is killed. There, there are disappointments and tragedies in life that we can't understand, that just don't make sense. And, and other people's choices impact our lives, and we can be hurt by others in significantly painful ways. Life isn't always fair, but God holds us when life is hard, if we'll just turn to him. And as I, as I was writing this section um, of the message, that poem kept coming to my mind, the Footprints in the Sand poem. It's old, old, old. Everybody has seen it, heard it, but it's still... Um, it's so true. And if you, you haven't seen it, it's, it's a story about a, a man who has a dream. And in his dream, he sees two sets of footprints in the sand. And he recognizes that one set of footprints is his, the other is Jesus. But then he notices that in the really difficult and hard times in his life, that stretch of the beach um, that represented those times, There was only one set of footprints. 
And so he questioned Jesus. He said, Jesus, thank you so much for walking with me throughout my life, but why in the times when life was the hardest um, did you leave me? And And he says, Jesus answered, my precious child, I love you. I would never leave you. During times of trial and testing, when you only saw one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Has anyone been carried through difficult times? Times of loss, times of difficulties. Even though you can't see him, Jesus is present with you, and he will carry you through hard times. When you you don't think you can make it through another day, you do. Because he carried you, because he made you able. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus meets the needs of our heart when they're wounded and breaking with his love. Then number two, his love is everlasting. People sometimes let us down, right? And we know that. And so there's this, like, insecurity in us (laughs) that we're just not sure when it's going to happen. And um, depending on your past, we have varying levels of security and insecurity. Some of you may have been abandoned as a child or you had a spouse walk out on you, and deep inside you wonder, you know, uh, we, I think, you know, if you're married a second time, is this spouse going to walk out, those kinds of things. And we all kind of wonder, you know, is over time will the love of my spouse change or those kinds of things. And I want to give you an example. Uh, Herb and Diane, stand up. I'll I'll pick on you. All right, Diane, your job is to, your, uh, your assignment is to tell Herb you love him. And what's Herb supposed to do? Yeah, he's supposed to say, I love you too. <laughs> yeah, there's something inside of us that just, you can go ahead and sit down. <laughs> there's something inside of us that just longs to hear a response, right? I mean, um, and, and there's something, when when someone says that to you, that feels the need to respond back, to let them know, to assure them, I, I love you too, because you love them, right? Uh, I've noticed, like, if Forrest says, throws out an I love you when I'm, you know, deep in work or something and it doesn't really register, uh, you know what he does? He says it again louder. She must not have heard me, you know, because he's waiting for that, that response, uh, you know, I love you, I love you too. And and there's something in us that longs to hear words of response. And on the cross, Jesus showed us his everlasting love. The cross is Jesus, I love you. And even if you never respond, he's already put it out there. And he's already shown it. His offer stands forever. And Paul's prayer was that we would know how wide and how deep and how high and how long the love of God is. There, there is no end to God's love. It's unlimited. And you never have to worry that God's going to stop loving you. Paul says this in Romans 8, verse uh, 31, I believe. Is it not in there? 
All right. It says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. God's love never fails. He's always going to love you. Uh, Turn to somebody and and tell them he's always going to love you. He's always going to love you. Then another way that Jesus' love meets our need for love is uh, his love sets us free from guilt and shame. Uh, And last week we talked about the need for belonging and acceptance and how Jesus meets that. He, He suffered the penalty of sin so that we could be right with God and could be a part of the family of God. And Jesus' love sets us free from guilt and shame. And, and um, if you're struggling with sin in your life, Jesus wants you to be free of that. First yeah, John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll give you a clean slate this morning, a fresh start if you ask him to. And then number four... His love casts out fear. If there's an area of your life where fear seems to be in control, that is not God's intention for you. Uh, And, you know, there's all kinds of ways that fear betrays our lack of trust in God's love for us. Uh, Maybe you're afraid that your basic needs for food and clothing won't be met. Or maybe you have fears about your health or your children's future. Fear can get a hold of us and start steering our decisions. But look with me at what uh, John says in 1 John. He says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And if you think about this a minute, love that's complete and mature casts out fear. It tells fear to get lost. It trusts in God who is trustworthy. And God is able to provide all your needs. He's not unaware of any of your circumstances. So 1 Peter 5, 7 uh, encourages us to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Trust his love. Tell yourself Jesus is going to take me through this, whatever it is, and don't let fear rule your life or control your life. Let Christ control your life and his love. And then number five, his love makes a way. And the table in front of us this morning is a reminder that God's love makes a way when there seems to be no way. Jesus went to the cross so that we could have a way to experience God's love and eternal life. And whatever you came in here with this morning, whatever burden you're carrying or weighing on your heart, God can make a way. He will get you through it. His love is wide enough, it's deep enough, it's high enough, it's long enough, and enduring enough to meet it. I want to close this morning by reading our series memory verse together, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
Philippians 4:19. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the great love that you've shown us. You've shown it to us through your son, Jesus Christ, and in so many ways throughout our lives, God. You, you've cared for us if we were to make a list of the good things that you've poured into our life. We, we wouldn't come to the end of it. We thank you for your unlimited love. We thank you for the table in front of us this morning and, and um, the reminder that your love is never going to stop, that you're always going to love us. And for the people around the world, God, in need of that love, we pray this morning that you would help us to show forth the same kind of love that we've received from you and experienced. We offer ourselves this morning, God, for your glory and your purposes again. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.